You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, Nonplus listeners. If you're a craft beer fan, have we got the app for you. Tavor, it's the app for fans of craft brews and trying new and exciting labels. It's so cool. Snag the app from your iOS or Android app store, browse the current list of hard-to-find 100% independent beers, and add them to your personalized crate, or enroll in the subscription, and Tavor will handpick the highest-rated beers that suit your taste. There's no minimums or commitments, and if you're selecting the beers for yourself, you pay as you choose, and then request delivery whenever you're ready. Again, there's no monthly limit or minimum that you need to hit, and a flat rate shipping doesn't change with the size of your crate. As many beers as you want, same price to ship. Tavor posts a 100% independent community, over 650 featured breweries from 47 states, and over 7,000 beers tasted. That's nuts. Yeah, you can download Tavor today and try it for yourself. Just use the code NONPLUS at checkout for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Again, download Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your app store and use the code NONPLUS for $10 off your first order of $25 or more. I'll drink to that. And one for Mahler. I was about to try to drink my drink through the microphone. That would be an unpleasant experience, I think. It would be. And probably not effective at all. Not effective. Blinky, blinky. Blinky, blinky, blinky. Another episode of Non Plus, a gay romp through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband Clancy, and over there is my husband Josh, and we are Non Plus, a mischief media podcast. Hello, hello, hi, honey, hi, honey. We're still riving, riving, riding that tidal wave of the Marvel new phase, new year. Yeah, this is gonna be. We promise you our last bit of Marvel content for a little while, but we thought, hey, why not? Let's get you. Psyched up and ready for Ant-Man Quantumania. Yeah. You were supposed to hear this when it first came out, but we thought, ah, screw it. Let's go ahead and see the movie and then add that into the episode. So just so you know, now towards the end, there will be a spoiler filled section for those of you who have seen Quantumania. Mm hmm. Before that, we're going to recap the first two films. So you're ready to see Quantumania. Yep. But before that, if you need your MCU merch, Clancy. Where should our fine listeners go? Oh, well, they can go to mischiefmerch.com. Yes. And if you use code nonplus10 on any MCU items or nonplus items, you get 10% off your purchase. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other big stuff before we just jump in. I don't think that there is. No. Uh, so then let's jump right into it. As usual, um, yeah. Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Box Office Mojo, key sources of information and research for us. However, we would be remiss to not once again shout out the fine folks at New Rockstars and now Eric Voss's new channel, The Deep Dive. Yeah. Um, both great resources for theory crafting, both yeah. great resources it, for catching things you have you may have missed. And this is not just for Marvel. Like they're doing like so much content. If you're a big fan of anything, yeah, Last of Us, they're doing a, a they're covering the Mario stuff. stuff. They covered yep. House of the Dragon. They're so leaning more into franchise and fan based content this year. So I love it. if you like what we do here, but maybe want people who are more knowledgeable and less Jack Holish and did more research, did more <laughs> research, head on over to new rock stars, head on over to the deep dive on YouTube. They help us formulate our own thoughts. And honestly, I'll name check them multiple times throughout here. I'm going to put some links in the notes. If you're, the, if you're as big a nerds about Marvel as we are, which is why we don't normally cover them. In, a, in, a, in our regular format, we do something like this that's special, then this channel, YouTube channel, is definitely for you. Yeah, for sure. Oh, right. Clancy, first up, what do we have? Oh, well, we're going to do uh, 2015's Ant-Man. Yes, released July 17th, 2015, with a runtime of an hour and 57 minutes. It's directed ultimately by Peyton Reed. Yes, it was originally supposed to be directed by somebody else, but... Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, right. And then they were going right. to offer it to Adam McKay... But Adam McKay was a friend of Edgar Wright, so he said, no, I can't do that. So then instead, they brought him in to punch up the script to mm. bridge effectively the work of Edgar Wright to the new screenwriter, Joe Cornish, and then Paul Rudd punched up jokes. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I think Peyton Reed has been a great choice. Like, he's done all three of these films. 
Um, you can see his vision throughout. Yeah, there, there's a definite style and there's a definite, like, you know that this is his movies just as much as the Guardians movies are done by the same person. You know, you can definitely see the tonal shift in the Thor movies. This, you don't see that. I mean, you see the tonal shift with the, with the Russo movies. Like, Agreed. You know, yeah, it's it's a... Uh, it's good. Yeah. Let's go through the cast. Our cast, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang slash Ant-Man. Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. Corey Stoll as Darren Cross slash Yellow Jacket. Bobby Carnival as Jim Paxton. Michael Pena as Luis. Uh, Tip T.I. Harris as Dave. Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson the Falcon. Uh, Judy Greer as Maggie. Not my supervisor! Oh, her. Yes, I love her. <laughs> She's in Arrested Development, too. I love her. Judy Greer is probably one of my favorite actresses of our age. Also, Abby Ryder Fortson as Cassie Lang. David Desmalshian as Kurt. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. And additionally, John Slattery and Haley Atwell reprise their roles as Howard Stark and Peggy Carter. Yeah, um, right there up at the top. So we're going to do something a little bit different with our plot synopsis. Yes, yeah, since this is our first ever double feature. Oh, yes. and we're not here to, as we said, do our regular thing. We're here to get you prepped. Or Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah. We're going to shotgun the plot synopsis, tell you what you need to know, tell you what we think about it, and then move on to the next one. In 1989, Hank Pym resigns from S.H.I.E.L.D. after discovering their attempt to replicate his Ant-Man shrinking technology. In the present day, Pym's estranged daughter, Hope Van Dyne, works for his former protege, Darren Cross, who now runs Pym Technologies and is working on a shrinking suit of his own, the Yellow Jacket, which horrifies Pym. Scott Lang gets out of prison for stealing from a former employer and moves in with his old cellmate and other ex-cons. Scott visits his daughter Cassie unannounced and is chastised by his former wife Maggie and her police detective fiance Paxton, who insists that he needs to get his act together before being a part of Cassie's life. He takes a surefire theft job with his new crew, successfully breaking into the Pym household and stealing the Ant-Man suit. After using it only once, Lang attempts to return the suit only to be arrested. Pim, who sets up Scott, visits him in jail to help break out Scott so he can steal the yellow jacket from Cross. Hope, who still resents Hank for lying about her mother's death, trains Scott to fight and to control ants. Hank admits Janet disappeared into the quantum realm while disabling a Soviet nuclear missile in 1987 and warns Scott he could suffer a similar fate if he overrides the suit's regulator. Scott is sent to steal a device from Avengers headquarters where he briefly fights Sam Wilson the Falcon. Cross perfects the Yellow Jacket with intent to sell it to the highest bidder as Scott, his crew, and a swarm of flying ants infiltrate the building sabotages the company's servers and plants explosives. Team Ant-Man is captured by Cross, but Scott breaks free and he and Hope take out Cross's men as Hank is shot. Lang pursues Cross while the explosives detonate, imploding the building as Pym and Van Dyne escape. Cross dons the yellow jacket and attacks Scott before Lang is arrested by Paxton, allowing Cross to then take Cassie hostage. Scott escapes custody, engages Darren, and eventually overrides the regulator, shrinking small enough to penetrate Cross's suit and sabotage it to shrink uncontrollably until he disappears. However, Scott keeps shrinking, descending into the quantum realm, whereupon he wakes, hearing Cassie's voice, and manages to reverse size via the regulator and return. Pim wonders if his wife is still alive as well. Later, Lang meets up with Louise, who tells him that Sam Wilson is looking for him. Ooh. Ooh. And then in a mid credit scene, Pim shows Van Dyne a new Wasp prototype suit and offers it to her. Also, we get the clip from Civil Captain War. America Civil War yeah. um, of Bucky, Steve, and the Falcon. Well, hey, look at We did such a good job. Boom, bada, boom. So this one's great. Set, set the main character. Really is was a tonal shift at the time from some of the other Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. We're this is when in, we were starting to get fun Marvel. Yeah, they're leaning into the the comic of comic books absolutely absolutely which is also bolstered as you kind of mentioned earlier by both james gunn's turns on guardians of the galaxy and taika's turns on four like yeah. it's, we're we're sort of generally in this portion of the mcu we're starting to see um kind of the heroes take themselves a little bit less seriously maybe they're a bit more grounded yeah a la America's ass. America's like, ass. Know, yeah, we've got a lot of good jokes that, you know, it helps not make it feel so dark, I think. Uh, stale. Like, yeah. it, it's nice to have these different tonal voices because they do, as we see in the later Avengers movies, all work together. The dynamic between Scott Lang and his daughter and also the unconventional family, like yeah. all of that is all done very well. It, it also really it makes it is. feel good because there's a lot of kids that have families like that. Yeah. Mine was sort of like that. Mine except was. for mine, my, 
I had two moms and a dad. Yeah. But like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, this is, you're seeing yourself on screen almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also just, uh, it's another way into the concept of heroism throughout. You'll see that Scott's not necessarily trying to be a hero. He's trying to be with his daughter. He's doing whatever he can yeah. to create a situation where he can be with the, with the person he cares about the most in this world to a fault, to yeah. literally to a fault. And some of the later, um, some of the reviews for quantum mania. And again, no spoilers uh, until we get to that point, but some of the reviews for quantum mania complain about Cassie being kind of Scott's North star, but it's the one true thing about his character. That's consistent through all of his appearances. I want to provide. I had a lot of time to think about it and I love her so much i missed so much time and i want to be a part of her life what do i do if you can help me i promise i can help you be with your daughter again now are you ready to redeem yourself absolutely my days of breaking into places and stealing shit are done what do you want me to do i want you to break into a place and steal some shit this is your chance the chance to earn that look in your daughter's eyes to become the hero that she already thinks you are. It's not about saving our world. It's about saving theirs. Dan, that was a good speech. You need to desist right now. Your delusions are out of hand. All units, we have a 236 in progress at 840 Winter Street. Cassie! <laughs> I want your daddy too. There you are. Daddy, is that you? Hi, Peanut. Why don't you pick on someone your own size? Sorry, sweetheart. You have to help daddy pay for his mistakes. You stay behind me, okay? Stay behind me. Daddy, help! I love you, Cassie. Hey, you try and entertain a 10-year-old when you can't leave the house. You know the lengths that I've gone to? Close-up magic. I learned that. When I was in prison, the only thing that got me through was Cassie. It makes absolute sense that I'll, like, he's a reluctant hero to, yeah. to a degree. Now she's a main character sure. in Quantumania. Okay, no spoilers, she's in the trailer. We'll get into it later, but she comes into her own. Yeah. This did very well. Yeah, it did. Uh, worldwide, five hundred nineteen million is what it made. It had a budget of a budget of one hundred thirty million, so almost three times its budget. That's pretty great. Eighty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The critical reviews for all of these films, I think, are are wanting. I think critics have a certain opinion that they feel like they need to have about Marvel films. Mm -hmm. Some of them are clearly trying to get clicks. I just it does. It, uh, I. Now, after how many, you know, a decade and a half of, of the MCU. Yeah. 30 and, movies. And even 31. Well, 31. So, this yeah, is 31. Yeah. So even comic book movies in general, like for me, they're a genre like action films or anything yeah. else that if you're going to sit down and look at it, even critically, you have to accept certain things about the genre film. Oh yeah. And review it within the context of that. You can't just be, well, if this isn't a perfect movie, then I'm going to rip it to shreds <laughs> because what's the fuck? It's a comic book movie. Absolutely. You're the only person taking it that seriously. We'll get into this a little bit later. Yes. Um, Cause I do have a lot of thoughts on it, but uh, this one did very well. Again, we we had 83%. Yeah, Emily St. James from Vox said Ant-Man has its charms, but they're frequently lost beneath a story that feels like a patchwork job. It has a It's a fun watch, but also a frustrating one. I disagree. Her score is still 3.5 out of 5, but I disagree on that sentiment. Yeah. Allison Wilmore from BuzzFeed said no other Marvel installment has felt this weighted down by its obligations to the franchise. I honestly 
wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah. This is a standalone movie. Yeah. You don't have to have seen like. And also he becomes a massive part of the overarching lore. Yeah. Endgame doesn't happen without Ant-Man. But it, it, it's, it's as much to say as like Captain Marvel was very much just a stepping stone to, yeah. to this. The, the Ant-Man movie, again, on its own, doesn't require the rest of the MCU. No. It doesn't, except for Sam Wilson and a couple of cameos. But like, those are fun. Right. And even then, you don't need them. You no. just know that those people are S.H.I.E.L.D. at exactly. the beginning and that that person is an Avenger. Exactly. And finally, we have Richard Roper of the Chicago Sometimes. Sometimes we agree with him. Sometimes we don't. Um, <laughs> he says, ants are pests, and that's just a weird place to start for a superhero, especially if he never strays too far from his origins. The fuck does that mean, Richard? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. What does that mean? About, talking about uh, viewer score was also 85 percent. Uh, so, you know, again, it, pretty much an agreement there. What was funny about these, though, is like the first handful of pages are yeah. reviews for the new film huh. from the users. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> it's like they just went to Rotten Tomatoes typed Ant Man, Ant Man, and I want to get my and then immediately he like didn't look at anything else. Solid reviews. Some this one <laughs> this caught my eye. Alexander R. Two stars. The acting is soulless and the plot is cliche and mostly unfunny. Alexander is a person who doesn't know what joy is. Yeah, he doesn't. That's he, where he, I'm at. He, with he that. doesn't enjoy it. Clancy, what do they need to know from this movie to go into Quantumania? Sure. So for this one, it's how pin particles work, right? We're being introduced to the idea that they've got this particle that can shrink and grow. A particle that could change the distance between atoms while increasing density and strength. And we also hear the word quantum. Do not screw with the regulator. If that regulator is compromised, you would go subatomic. What does that mean? It means that you would enter a quantum realm. What does that mean? It means that you would enter a reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant as you shrink for all eternity. Everything that you know and love, gone forever. Cool. Yeah. If it ain't broke. I can't remember if it's this one or the other one where Scott says, do you guys just put quantum in front of everything? I think that's... The second one. The second one. Do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything? Uh, it was used. Eagle-eyed viewers would know that this is important because yes. the quantum realm is a thing in the comics. Precisely. And it's a big deal. And they but talk the about movies, the general risk. Like, that's kind of the MacGuffin of this. Is, yeah. Well, not really, because they do end up going to the quantum realm, and a MacGuffin is a, is a thing that is ultimately inconsequential but drives the characters to move the story along. Anyway. Yeah, we get sort of Chekhov's quantum realm because Hank's like, oh, no, it's dangerous. And then that ends up the thing that Janet did that was so drastic and scary is the thing Scott has to do. And as he's shrinking, one thing you don't notice unless you watch uh, videos on new rock stars is that there's a shadow of the wasp in Scott's helmet as he's descending. Yeah. This is bonkers. Yeah. It, in it, hindsight, it's bonkers. It just goes to show that they kind of knew where they were going and they knew what they were doing yes. from the get, right? Yes. Like they knew that this was going to, that Janet Van Dyne was going to be in the quantum realm and alive. Yes. Uh, finally, most of act three, honestly, like the big fight, Darren Cross in the yellow jacket suit, yeah. the shrinking down um, experiences in the quantum realm. The fact that he hears Cassie's voice and that's what brings him back out of it. All of these things are kind of important to remember yeah. going into Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Mm -hmm. Now, before Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we have... Oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. We didn't, we didn't know about the Wasp. No, we got her in the post credit scene yep. of Ant-Man. Mm -hmm. um, because the whole time, Hope's complaining, why am I not in the suit? It should be me in the suit. Yes. Who's this asshole? Why are you lying to me about my mother? Because her mother was the <laughs> original Wasp. Yeah. Then at the in the post credits, Hank reveals, hey, I've got this other suit that I've been working on for you. This is an advanced prototype that your mother and I worked on together. She never got to use it. But now I realize that we were we were working on it for you. Maybe it's time we finished it. One thing that bothers me about that suit, and I get why they've 
changed it now, especially looking at the color palette for the rest of the heroes in the MCU. Mm -hmm. But the one in the post credit scene is a really beautiful kind of like blue gold red. Yes. And we never get very Captain Marvel. Well, it's very Captain Marvel now, but is reminiscent to earlier wasp costumes from the comics. Mm. I it's I I love it. I love that we're going to move into an era where hopes got better choices for her hair. Yeah. And or eventually Lily has better wigs <laughs> and gets to use her natural hair. Yes. That's the other thing I liked about. We'll get there. Um, so anyway, Ant-Man the, and the Wasp. This was released July 6th of 2018. Uh, runs for 118 minutes. Also directed by Peyton Reed. Uh, screenplay on this one was a couple of different people who we got. Chris McKenna, uh, Eric Somers, Paul Rudd, Andrew Barner, and Gabriel Ferrari. Chris McKenna and Eric Summers are a writing partner who've done a lot of fun stuff. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Lego Batman, Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home, and they're currently working on something called Ghosted. They've also done some episodes of American Dad. Nice. So yeah, I feel like you can see that in this film. Yeah. Sort of really shine through. Yeah, let's get to the cast again. So... Okay, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Bobby Cannavale, Judy Greer, T.I., Michael Pena, David Dusmalshian, and Abby Ryder Forsen all reprise their roles from the first film. Yes, good job, honey. Added to this film, we have... Walton Goggins as Sonny Birch. Hannah John Kamen as Ava Star slash Ghost. Randall Park as Jimmy Wu. Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. And Lawrence Fishburne as Bill Foster. And then, of course, we get another cameo from Stan, Stan Lee as a man whose car is shrunk by an accident. Michael Cerveris, who's a big Broadway fella, yeah. also appears as Ava's father in a flashback while Ryan Steele plays her mother. Oh, right on. All right. We're going to shotgun this plot synopsis to you. Ready, Clancy? All right, let's go. Scott is at the end of his two-year house arrest sentence after his involvement with the Avengers in Germany. Hank and Hope briefly managed to open a tunnel to the quantum realm where they believe Janet Van Dyne might be trapped. Scott unknowingly becomes quantumly entangled with Janet when he had previously visited the quantum realm and receives an apparent message from her. Lane contacts Pym about Janet despite their now strained relationship causing Hope and Pym to kidnap him and leave a large ant with Lang's ankle monitor on as a decoy. The trio work to build a stable quantum tunnel so that they can take a vehicle into the quantum realm, arranging to buy a part from a black market dealer, Sonny Birch, who double-crosses Hope. As the Wasp, Hope fights off Birch and his men until she is attacked by a quantumly unstable masked person who fights Hope and Scott, ultimately escaping with Hank's shrunken lab. The trio visit Hank's former colleague, Bill Foster, for help finding the lab leading to their capture by Ghost, who reveals herself to be Ava Starr. Ava explains her father's history with Hank and that Foster has been taking care of her since the accident that caused her phasing sickness. They plan to cure her using Janet's quantum energy. The trio escapes and open a stable version of the tunnel, putting them in contact with Janet, allowing them to finish their equation to descend. Using a truth serum, Birch learns the trio's location from Lang's business partners and informs a contact at the FBI. Luis warns Lang, who rushes home before the FBI catch him, who then instead arrest Hank and Hope, allowing Ava to take the lab. Scott helps Hank and Hope escape and track Ava down, distracting her while Hank enters the quantum realm to retrieve Janet. Scott and Hope are confronted by Birch and his men, and following a lengthy chase across San Francisco, Ava regains control of the lab, allowing her to begin taking Janet's energy by force. Luis, Dave, and Kurt incapacitate Birch and his men so that Lang and Hope can stop Ava. Pim and Janet return safely from the quantum realm, and Janet voluntar voluntarily gives some of her energy to Ava to temporarily stabilize her. Lang returns home once again in time for a now suspicious Wu to release him at the end of his house arrest. Ava and Foster go into hiding. In a mid credit scene, Pim, Lang, Hope, and Janet plan to harvest quantum energy to help Ava remain stable. While Lang is in the quantum realm doing this, the three turn into dust. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. And that's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, not as much here. We'll get to it in a minute. It needs to carry over. But yeah. we get a lot more of hope in this one, especially hope being the Wasp and, and kicking yeah. She doesn't need to come into her own. Hope's been preparing for this her entire life. Yeah. Um, but what we do get is, you know, a lot of great new characters that are going to be coming back. We know Ghost is coming back for Thunderbolts. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to imagine they'll bring Lawrence Fishburne back at some point. Oh, yeah. And there's the big question mark of like, 
who Sonny Birch's buyers were. Were they AIM? Was it Hydra? You know, who could it be someone who's been working in the background this entire time that's going to be introduced to something else? We don't know. Yeah. More great uses of fun iconography. Like we got Thomas the Tank Engine in the first one. We get the Hello Kitty Pez in this yeah. one. And, but we also get new creative ways of using the, the shrinking technology. That Hot Wheels case full of cars. Yeah. And just having, you know, the right car at the right time. And, you know, it, it just sort of solves a lot of those, you know, those, those fun problems. And underscores, like, Scott is of a lot of most of the heroes of the MCU. He's very much an everyman. Yeah. The only, much like Tony Stark, actually, the only thing, well, I mean, Tony's a genius, but. Um, I, the, I don't the, think Scott Lang is. He's not dumb either. He's, he's not dumb. He's an, he's got a master's in electrical engineering or yeah, something. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that the only thing that makes Scott Ant-Man is that suit. Yes. And I think that that's a grounding in a way throughout all of these stories. Yeah, I would agree with you. You don't have to find a weakness for him. His weakness is he's human and he only has the suit. We get more of, of Michael Douglas. Yes. We get to see the passion that Michael, you know, Michael Douglas has for finding. That Hank has for finding Janet. Yeah, Hank has for finding Janet. We get Janet cast. She wasn't cast in the first one. And so, yeah, we get Michelle Pfeiffer, who is fucking awesome. Yes. And uh, my my favorite scene of this entire movie is when Paul Rudd has to pretend to be, or, you know, has to ask Janet. he's channeling Janet when she's messaging him through her. Yeah. Bullseye. Source lock. It's you. Ha! We got it! You have to meet me at these exact coordinates in the wasteland beyond the quantum void. It's very dangerous, especially on the human mind, so be careful. Time and space work very differently down here. You have two hours. After that, the probability fields will shift, and it'll be another century before they align like this again. We'll find you. Fun scene. This one made 622 million worldwide. So it did better. It Um, did better. Critics liked this one better too. Yeah. But still kind of low. It was an 87%. Bob Mondello from NPR said director Peyton Reed and his army of screenwriters haven't made Ant-Man and the Wasp a terribly clever movie, but it's clever enough to keep you from reaching for bug spray. And in the summer, Marvel has apparently decided that's all that's required. All right, Bob. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess you lost your job writing 90s sitcoms because these punchlines are not great. <laughs> yeah. It's and not. I don't trust your opinion. No. Richard Roper from the Chicago Sometimes um, says, even when things get ultra corny, Ant-Man and the Wasp, it keeps merrily buzzing along. He gave this one a three out of four. He gave yeah, the other so one a two out of four. He's, he's, uh, he's coming around. I guess. I guess. Richard Whitaker from the Austin Chronicle said, Rudd remains the heart and soul by stepping back and letting everyone else fill the room. He's one of the great modern straight men, but when he lets rip, it's a quick-witted back and forth that's as easily funny as a drumming ant. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's, fun. It's that simple. Audiences less enthused about this one at 80%. Yeah. Um, which is odd. We found, um, I mean, plenty of verified reviews that uh, mirror our opinion, but this, this one and a half star review is hilarious. His name was only Tim. <laughs> Another boring Ant-Man movie. This character should only appear in Avengers movies or be a supporting character. Tim, I think we've found yet another person who is anathema to the concept of joy itself. Yeah, pretty much. Or just like, you know, hey, buzz off, you know? <laughs> like You're really bugging me, Tim. Yeah, really. Clancy, what do they need to know from this film for Quantum Mania? So you need to know that Janet has spent all this time in the quantum realm, uh, seemingly on its outskirts, as uh, and as her and Hank leave, a city can be seen in the background. Again, one of those things you miss if you're not like we are rewatching this a zillion times and then referencing new rock stars yeah. for information. So, I mean, other than that, quantum phasing being able to move between realities a la Schro- Schrodinger's theory. Yes. Like that sort of stuff is stuff that's going to be necessary for quantum realm. Yes. Now, because Foster mentions it during his lecture. Isolated completely, a quantum system would revert back to separate states of matter each entangled with a distinct state of its environment. In other words, the object in question would be both in and out of phase with multiple parallel realities. Ghost's whole problem is maintaining quantum stability. Yeah. I don't know that she's going into the quantum realm, but she's like, she's shifting between existing and not existing effectively. And, you know, they're also, this is very rudimentary figuring out how to map the quantum realm. Yes. There's a lot of that. And a lot of the things that are, we're going to see in the beginning of quantum mania traveling like, to 
the concept of getting through certain areas yes. and getting to locations. Yeah. So that there's a, there's kind of a lot to keep in mind there. But yeah. So going into the quantum realm, here are some other things to remember. Now, these are from other shows and things that are happening in yes. the MCU at this time. Because it's not uncommon, I think, for some people to be less vested in some of the MCU shows. Maybe some of the other properties. Obviously, we love this shit. And we're going to dive into yeah. it. But maybe you don't remember. And like I said, I haven't rewatched as many times as we have. <laughs> now, in Loki, yeah. generally the concept of timelines and a sacred timeline. But in terms of the, the facts that, are, that matter for this film, it's really mostly episode five and six where they're learning about what's actually going on. Yeah. Mobius has a, a line in episode five. Assuming you do get back to the TVA, what exactly are you getting yourself into? I don't know. I like to let people know the truth. So just like that, you're turning on the very thing you devoted your life to. It's never too late to change. This also helps solidify the concept of like different Kangs mm -hmm. and, and multiple variants of a particular being anyway. The bulk of the important stuff is in episode six. The last episode. So we've seen what the, the void is. Yes. Um, there's a tower in, in there that says Kang with a Q. Yes. On it, which is also pretty important. I, it, think. I mean, it, it very openly implies an additional Kang variant before we've met the first Kang variant. Exactly. And yeah, we're learning how timelines in and of themselves work and multiverses, how those all stack together and how they're being kept separate. So he who remains, this Kang, the first one that we meet, is supposedly the only Kang at that moment in time to exist. I don't even think it's supposedly. I think that's what we're meant to believe, that until Sylvie stabs him, he is the only king because he managed to weaponize Eliath. I weaponized Eliath. And I ended, I ended the multiversal war. Yes. To control and reduce the things that spawned the other Kangs. And, and, and protected his timeline. The, yes. That one sacred timeline. Yes. At the end of Loki, timeline is now broken. You also get a really good summary about the multiversal war, the concept mm -hmm. of variance and how all of yep. this came to be. Eons ago, a variant of myself lived on Earth in the 31st century. He was a scientist and he discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. At the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. They made contact, and for a while, there was peace. They shared technology and knowledge, using the best of their universes to improve the others. Not every version of me was so pure of heart. Some of us, new worlds, meant only one thing, new lands to be conquered. The peace between realities erupted into all-out war, each variant fighting to preserve their universe and annihilate the others. He's very deliberate in the word choices that he's making. Yes. And I think that it's really important to kind of like, especially as Jonathan Majors, who's playing all these different versions of Kang, the acting style and the things that he's doing between it is he's all creating very, different characters. very deliberate. Distinct yeah. characters out of all of these variants. Yeah. And it's... And he should ultimately win either an Emmy or an Oscar for one of these because it's bananas. He's doing the same sort of shit that Tatiana Maslany did on, on Orphan Black, which she didn't get a, uh, an award for until the end of the series. I think, yeah. I think she ended up winning an Emmy for it. But anyway, point is, yes, he's doing the work. We've got all these different Kang variants. At the very end, you see the statues in the time variants authority change from three timekeepers to one Kang. Yeah. Eric Voss from new rock stars thinks they were always there, but kind of like under a, a, a perception filter. Interesting. Um, yeah, cause, Cause my, my feeling on it was that this is a different, a different TVA, well, but, but there may, there may just be the one TVA. I that think changes. there is because it's, it's an entity outside of time. Yeah. All of this is happening outside of time. So I don't think you would get, a separate TVA because the TVA itself is not on a timeline. No, you're right. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's just been a reset. Something that stab allowed a, all of history to reset for Kings to come back, which meant something was changing in the, cause like there's also the concept we know by the end of this, they're all um, 
variants and they've all had their memories adjusted. Yeah. In that moment, in between Sophie stabbing Kang and Loki getting pushed back through the door, something changed for everybody because earlier when they're in the elevator and Sylvie asks Renslayer what her Nexus event was. What was my Nexus event? Why did you bring me in? What does it matter? It was enough to take my life from me and lead to all of this. Must have been important. So what was it? I don't remember. It could seem catty, but maybe she's literally happy that she doesn't remember. She's like, I've done all this other shit that I don't even have to account for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because no, at the end, sure. that's what she's going for is free will. And when you think about it, she lost her charge. She was a hunter who fucked up and she becomes a judge. Yeah. Something fishy going on there. Something probably something with Kang. Fishy. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing that, that Kang says here is if you think I'm evil, well, just wait. You meet my variants. That is setting up the next two phases of the MCU. Oh, yeah. And I think that the way that we're looking at King right now, that we're going to be seeing so many different types of Kings and maybe even some that are non-consequential. Yeah. Well, and some that might be good because, again, we're, yeah. we're meant to believe that he who remains is one of the good ones. He says but he's one of the good he ones. He says he's one of the good ones, but yeah. it's still very much a um, Mobius says something to the, to this effect earlier. But when you think it's all for the greater good, yada, yada, yada. So that's what that's where he who remains his head is. Yeah. All this other stuff, the timeline breaking incursions. But I've weaponized Goliath and done this. And I think once we we'll get into it, WandaVision, the next next thing that we're going to kind of talk about here. So really, the only thing here that kind of is consequential is the Darkhold. Yes. And how it like its introduction how it lets people dream walk, which is allowing them to cross effectively into multiple universes and become themselves nexus beings. Yes. Um, we also are introduced to the word, the nexus yep. in this. Yes. Um, and that's one of the, or sorry in Loki that also was mentioned the nexus. So, but WandaVision, it was teased in a commercial yeah. as a pill for something, you know, you can change your reality. Right. And what is Kang doing, but changing realities. Exactly. Exactly. No way home. We have, the spell breaking the multiverse open. Yes, and pulling in um, people from other multiverses to impact this one. Yeah. All of this, again, because the TVA stuff is happening outside of time, there's this idea that all of these things are almost happening simultaneously to an extent mm -hmm. because they're all moments where the Avengers are, and we'll get to this in a minute, but touching the multiverse. Yes. Um, and some of them themselves becoming Nexus beings. Now, speaking of multiverse of madness, there's some big things from that that yes. get revisited as concepts here. Yeah. Namely, the first one being incursions. Yes. So this is when two different timelines collide with each other. The larger the footprint you leave behind, the greater the risk of an incursion. Incursion? An incursion occurs when the boundary between two universes erodes and they collide, destroying one or both entirely i think that's going to be a big thing to keep your eye on the impacts on other realities there's this concept in both loki and i think they touch on it a little bit in Endgame about how the timelines things that happen in one timeline can impact the other yeah until someone crosses over right because the the thing we're seeing a a literal crossover into different realities mm -hmm. with um america and dr strange and we're seeing a powered transition with Wanda dreamwalking into her 838 self. Yeah. These concepts are sort of solidified in Multiverse of Madness and explained from a scientific angle by Janet in Quantumania. And again, that's not a spoiler. You see a little bit of that in the trailers. The universe beneath ours. What are you so afraid of? There's something I never told you. This place. But that's why that part is important. Yeah, it's also worth noting that we're we're getting different modes of transportation between the multiverses yes. here. Um, we're getting America and they're, it, they're 
leveling up each time. Yeah. First time it's just shrinking. Then it's that vehicle. Mm -hmm. But now we've got America Chavez who can literally uh, star wipe through them. But I don't think that's the same as going through the quantum realm to get there or navigating that like they do in Endgame. It's not. And so, yeah, it's It's much more direct. Yeah, we're seeing... And manipulable. Yeah, and so we're seeing, and again with the Darkhold, we're seeing multiple ways of getting around the multiverse. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to be important because again, we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to do, they're going to be able to do things that are crazy. We're going to be able to see things come through. We're probably going to see things break. Yes. All of that. Yeah. And while not necessarily for Quantum Mania, I think a lot of this, especially when we think about Dark, the Darkhold itself, it being an extension of Cthulhu, who's an elder god, a bit on the level of beings like Mephisto and the Celestials, especially as we're going into guardians. It's a lot of stuff here, but I think it's important to remember that one of the other things that's being solidified here are power hierarchies and how different types of people can access different types of power. Finally, there is a book called Ant-Man and the Wasp, the hero's journey that sort of fills in the time between Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp and then sets us up for what's coming on, what's coming up after that, which leads into Endgame. Oh, um, cool. I haven't read it or listened to it, but again, New Rockstars does a great breakdown of it and fills in some of the gaps um, thematically that help you, that help tell Scott's story, help tell Hope's story, yeah. helps build the relationship between Scott and Cassie. So if you're into it, it's an audiobook. Go get it. So we're going to now move on to Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania. If you haven't seen it yet, please stop. We're going to have some music for here for just a no, hot no, no, second. No, 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 no. We're oh. going to let them listen to the trailer. Here's the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. By the end of this trailer, we'll be in spoiler territory. You have until the end of this trailer to pause this, go see the movie, and then come back. Or, you know, just skip ahead to one hour, five minutes, and 15 seconds. And you'll be right at the end of the episode. Sounds good. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time. Like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. I can rewrite existence and shatter timelines. You cannot trust him. I don't care who this guy is. I just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. make this easy for you you will bring me what i need or everything you call a life will end you may not want her to watch this we had a deal You could win. I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. I'm sorry, Cassie. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Well, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania was released February 17, 2023, 
has a runtime of two hours and five minutes and is once again directed by Peyton Reed. Screenplay for this one was by Jeff Loveness. Uh, he's written comments and is also doing King Dynasty. Yeah, Avengers King Dynasty. He's the screenwriter for it and the director from Shang-Chi is directing it. Yeah, which is pretty rad. I like that. That, that seems like it's going to be a fun combination. For this one, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Randall Park, and Greg Turkington all reprise their roles from previous films. But we've got some new folks, too. Most importantly, uh, Jonathan Majors as King the Conqueror and many other kings besides. We've got Catherine Newton this time around playing Cassie Lang. David Desmalchian as Veb. So he's coming back as a new character. Yes, the gooey one who's yeah. who's they drink, who I longs love. for his own holes. I love him. We've got Katie O'Brien as Gentora. Uh, Willem Jackson Harper as Quaz. Bill Murray as Lord Krylar. Corey Stoll as Darren Cross. Modoc, he's reprising his role. Yes, and creating a new one. A whole new one. And then the delightfulness that is Ruben Rabasa appearing as the coffee shop attendant in the intro and outro scenes. Yeah. All right. We're going to break down this plot too real quick. You've pre- if you've seen this great again, if you haven't, you should be gone by now. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be here. Here we go. Uh, all right. Things are back to normal. Cassie has been working with Hank uh, and a little with hope to research the quantum realm. They get sucked into the quantum realm and split up as Cassie and Scott ha- land with the rebels and the Pim Van Dynes land in the wilderness and start making their way toward help. A mysterious other looms in both storylines, a conqueror who has displaced people and a pilgrim who has built an empire from nothing. Scott and Cassie get captured as the Pim Van Dyes get ambushed and flee. We meet Kang who needs Scott to descend into the enlarged energy source through a quantum probability field to retrieve said power source. Janet wants to stop Kang because he's a monster. Kang gets the core to abandon Hank, Hope, and Scott in the wilderness. Cassie breaks free and starts a revolution as Hank, Hope, Scott... Plan their attack on the Citadel. All hell breaks loose. They open the gate. All go through but Scott. The final fight. Freedom go home. The looming dread of Kang closes the film out. And in the post credits, we meet Victor Timely and the dynasty. Yeah. So, yeah, that's real cut and dry. A, because we didn't have it to rewatch. We've only seen it twice. And B, because really, if you haven't seen it and you're still listening to this, go watch the fucking movie. It's a great film. This was great. I really liked this movie. It's a very different Ant-Man film, but still has some grounding portions to it, even though that they're in effectively a whole new world. Truly. And so much of the criticism is leveled against it being a green screen movie or whatever. I don't fucking care. I genuinely don't fucking care. The performances aren't impacted by it. The storytelling is still compelling. And for God fucking sake, we have the technology. Let's fucking use it to make an entertaining movie. For sure. Now, there are, in my opinion, some pacing issues. Uh, It definitely at the end is sort of snowballs very quickly. We're kind of world building here where they were trying to give us as much of the quantum realm as possible. And I feel like they succeeded in that. Agreed. And they're also trying to make Kang seem terrifying. In yeah. Loki, we get Loki's word for it that Kang is terrifying. We freed the timeline. We found him beyond the storm, a citadel at the end of time. He's terrifying. He planned everything. He's seen everything. He knows everything. It's complicated, okay? But someone is coming. Countless different versions of a very dangerous person, and they're all set on war. We need to prepare. Take it easy. You're an analyst, right? What division are you from? What are you talking about? Who are you? What's your name? I don't know that I necessarily am scared of the concept of someone who's writing all of this for us, but like that's really underscored here in Janet's fear and what we see of what this man can do. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of a, a kind of callback to where the Hulk, when he gets thrown back from basically being defeated by Thanos yeah uh, to there and being like thanos is coming he's like nothing we've ever seen like he's literally the baddest guy ever and that's that's looming at the end of scott's head that's literally what scott scott is having an existential crisis right now that he's literally murdered everyone while trying to have a birthday party yeah (laughs) but yeah it's again as i said earlier we really get scott's one defining characteristic of everything's for cassie yeah. And that's what gets him to sort of wrangle everything in that probability field and focus on um, succeeding. And even that's ultimately why he defeats Kang. Yeah. He grows to giant size. and He's just like, fuck you. Where's my daughter? I'm going to smash everything. <laughs> well, and, it, and it, he's also not getting himself into trouble anymore because he's trying to do be a role right model thing. for his daughter. Yes. We've had two other movies of his character. All, it's all now, of this has this happened because... 
he wanted to get set right so yeah. that he could be with Cassie. Yeah. He wanted to not fuck up so he could be with Cassie. Yeah. And now he's trying to make a bargain to save Cassie's life. And he's literally lost five years with her. And it's just like, you know, it's one of those things. Never where mind the years he lost in prison. It, even more so. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, I just don't really understand. And I was trying to think of, like, well, what did, what did you want for his character to, like, did you want for his character to become, like, cynical or to become something different than and what honestly, it is? I, I wouldn't I, have been surprised if he died in this. Yes. I honestly was 100% ready for it. Yeah. Especially the way hope really comes into her own. She's the one who fucking, yeah, she knocks Kang off guard coming back through that portal. And Scott just bodies him into the thing that's exploding. That hope came to blow up. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it would have been fine in my opinion for Scott to die. Cause even in the comics, that's kind of why Cassie becomes a character called stature. Yeah. What she calls herself mm. because she, like she, Scott dies and she's like, I, I gotta be my dad now. I do want to talk about Janet Van Dyne. Yes. And cause a lot more happened in the quantum realm and she's kind of responsible for the conqueror. She really is. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where, she was, she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't talk about anything that happened down in the quantum realm. And she didn't need to until the Avengers started fucking around with time. For sure. But she, she still withheld the information that there were beings in the quantum realm, that it wasn't just some wasteland. And she didn't say this to any of them you know until what? they went down. We also haven't seen her getting therapy. So maybe it's PTSD and she's just trying to forget it. It, it probably is. But also at the same time, it's like, Janet, you probably should have said something. But at the same time, she was she knew what kind of being he was and how he could travel time. She just didn't want it to happen. Well, and I mean, like Cassie, she admits, like, I fucked up. This is my problem yeah, for sure. But to that point, I love that Janet is not just like a damsel who needed rescuing. No, she's fucking badass. She's a badass. She survived this wilderness and clearly all of this like survivalist shit she had to do. Yeah. She can go hand to hand and chop off your arm. Yeah. She's got energy blasts. Probably she can talk to tele telepathically to a manta ray thing. My God. You could hear Hank's boner coming out. You like, really, like, could. really could. It was, <laughs> I also like that this movie has almost kind of, Again, with the comedic portion of it, of being that Hank only cares about his aunts and everybody just being like, I love that you, Janet they literally make fun saying, of him so many times. Janet literally saying, I love that you love your aunts. <laughs> and then he's, he comes in at the end like a deus ex machina with these hyper intelligent futuristic ants. Cause that's usually how I feel about you and musicals. A lot of the times, like, I love that you love musicals, but sometimes I can't always get into it. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case because you know what? Sometimes it's fun and, you know, sometimes the ants save the day. Sometimes the ants save the day. We get a lot more of Cassie. She really wants oh to my be gosh, yes. the, the light of her father's eye. She is, she is her hero. She's making quantum tech. She's making quantum tech. She understands her powers, but is clearly a bit naive. She yeah. needs some use. Unlike Scott, who needed to learn to use the powers and learn to fight better or sure. more cleanly or whatever. Cassie, all of that stuff, the tech stuff she gets, it's, yeah. it's everything else that she's kind of like, Goo. just doing it how, you know, she's, it's implied that she was working or like she was helping some protesters and things like that. And the she's, police started to get involved. She's got so big she Kate Bishop energy. Yeah. She, she, I want to see her gonna and be Hawkeye. Friends. They're going to be besties and I can't wait. <laughs> I can, yes. They're going to be best friends. From the jump, Hope is a badass. You yes. don't need to worry about Hope. She's literally saving the world. She's doing the most. She's literally doing the most and becoming an operational hero in so many ways, potentially paving more screen time for her in Avengers films. Mm -hmm. Maybe a solution to some of the issues that are uh, posed in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. Because, you know, when the, that's the whole Flag Smashers thing is like, where are homes? We need food and resources. Sam's yeah. big speech at the end. We can't demand that people step up and we don't meet them halfway. You control the banks. Shit, you can move borders. You can knock down a forest with the email. You can feed a million people with the phone call. But the question is, who's in the room with you when you're making those decisions? Hmm? Is it the people you're going to impact? Or is it just more people like you? Look, you people have just as much power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. The question you have to ask yourself is, how are you going to use it? 
in in a future something, Hope Van Dyne and Pim Van Dyne Technologies, whatever, are a solution for those problems. Yep, for sure. Her whole story is she's very, very strong. She feels like she's now like into her own can and she's a fucking badass. Yeah. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The Kang elephant? The Kang elephant. Yes. He is such a terrifying figure. And Jonathan Majors is probably the best addition to the MCU since Robert Downey Jr. It's not even that he's chewing up the scenery or making a meal of it. It's that it's like a fine dining experience for him. Yeah. Jonathan Majors talked about his characterization of King, you know, um, no moves wasted. Yeah. It's all very deliberate and very vicious. That was this King's. It was no yeah. wasted. He's having to come up with these subtle differences or like sometimes said, huge differences. It's new character. It's a masterclass to watch. Yes. Really. And in the after credits, we get three sort of highlighted specific Kings. Yes. One in Immortus. Yep. One in Rama Tut. Mm-hmm. And one the Hollywood reporter is calling the Scarlet Centurion. Yeah, which I uh, Eric Voss doesn't agree with. I think he thinks it's more of a like techno uh, Kang. But this is the Hollywood Reporter. I assume they would have reached out to Marvel PR and been like, "Hey, can you clarify these facts for us?" For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, Rama Tut being very important because of Moon Knight. Yeah, um, we saw him in Moon Knight, sort of on, on a the jacket. on the back of a jacket. Yeah, and there was a a version of one of the scripts of Moon Knight that mentioned him by name. It's going to be Kang City going forward and there's the question of was this one of the good ones because yeah he was murdering trillions or whatever and you know he says i wish that mattered because to him what matters is maintaining control of course he says it's because he's trying to stop the multiversal war but really he just wants to be the one conquering and he also mentions that he would have left earth alone and honestly i have no reason to doubt that he wouldn't have true we may be seeing the big bad king we might be seeing. I think we are seeing the ultimate big bag king. I think that's who this is going to like dynasty and secret and secret in like a Kang prime or secret whatever. wars. Yeah. The main Kang. Does that mean that he's all bad? Maybe not. Well, no, because again, compare his actions for the same reason to he who remains. Yeah. Who only got the upper hand because of Eliath. Right. Who in theory is still around in the void. Oh, I thought we destroyed Goliath in order to get to it's Eliath. And Eli. no, they just distracted him and oh, enchanted him. Oh, and to then get they through went through him. him. Yes. Got it. Yep. And then we know of from the comics an Iron Lad who mm-hmm. is a young Nathaniel Richards who meets Kang Prime. Yeah. And vows to avoid becoming him by doing good in his life. Also, we get Victor Timely in yeah. the second post credit scene. Victor Timely is a version of Kang who went back to the early 20th century and introduced the concept of robotics to a town that he called timely Mm -hmm. after himself. And he built like the first cyborg human torch Mm. and ultimately builds out what becomes his, his I forget what the city's called that, that town in Wisconsin or wherever becomes his little city. It could be that they're going to become the early TVA. We know that's what um, Loki and Mobius are investigating as potential Kangs and Loki's still terrified of him. Yeah. So yeah, I am super excited for Loki season two. This is a very much a stepstone movie. This is not necessarily a standalone movie. You've got to know some things going in and you got to know some things going out again. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun and I thought it was done very well. Same. We saw it in 2d with Atmos first. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. But I will say that it looked pretty flat mm-hmm. in 2d like the, the, because of it all being very, them you know two-dimensional well them being on a soundstage and on green screen it definitely i can see where some of those reviews were saying that it was all on green screen so absolutely it was but go see it in 3d because that's really where it starts to shine and they can really make some really cool depth effects yeah you can't do really in camera Mm -mm. on on, you know on a soundstage yeah so yeah at the time of recording this had grossed 357 million worldwide um, critical response right now is 47%. I think yeah. it's such a low score compared to the audience because this tends to indicate that something's off for the critics. Yeah. Um, perhaps intentionally. Wah, 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 phase four. I don't understand this because I haven't seen the other stuff. Again, I, I ranted earlier. You well, can't expect, you can't go into Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania yeah. and expect Citizen Kane. I don't know what you're looking for that you're going to sit down and review this film so bitterly. 
Yeah, I was going through uh, Entertainment Weekly's. Theirs was good. Yeah, there, theirs was good. Oh, I didn't realize that you had pulled it here. I did. Because I was, I was go- looking through that earlier today. There's, again, they got, they knew what they were doing. They yeah. got the brief. Now, again, this. And, and I, she, it's Leah Greenblatt. She says, this Ant-Man is clever enough to be fun and wise enough not to overstay its welcome. Who better understands the benefits, after all, of keeping it small and gave it a, a B plus. Yeah. So she's about on par with where critics have been for the other two films. And I think this is great. I think everybody else who's relentlessly shitting on it had an agenda going in. Yeah, because I think that they saw a trend with Eternals and they saw a trend with Multiverse of Madness and that, hey, these movies are not, uh, you know, maybe uh, in their eyes, not doing as much because, yes, we just got off the high of what was Endgame. And we're still, like we said last time, still dealing with so much grief. Yeah. And this is literally a film about trying to move on. And so I think that this is kind of that, that turning point right at the, right at the top where we're turning to that we're moving on stage. And I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're just looking for clicks. Maybe they're just looking for that, you know, a, a grab of like the worst Marvel movie ever yeah. made. Like come variety on. and Hollywood reporters reviews were also pretty positive. Yeah. Um, Owen Gleberman at variety. Quantum is fun as well as bedazzling, relentless and numbing then fun again. Just when you think you've had enough, all of that gets mashed together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Viewers are at 84%. Awesome movie. The kids loved it. This was certainly one of the movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a verified viewer. One of the movies of all time. Thanks, Gabriel R. Bless. Brian Y. Totally wild and awesome. This is where we are. We Again, we saw it twice, and it's not just because we're fat. Like, I sat, I enjoyed it. I really did, too. There are too. Marvel films I have not enjoyed. And again, this one has a higher viewer score than... <gasps> The other previous, exactly. the other previous two movies. So something is wrong. The nerd, the nerd boner is thrumming here. Yeah, and that that bothers, you know, critics of cinema. Yeah, which I mean, whatever, whatever. So real quick, we're coming to the end here. But in terms of like, what's next, Kang? Is the Conqueror actually dead? Is he just buried in that probability field? I think that's where he is. Victor Timely, like we said, he created the original Human Torch. Is it possible that he is the first Kang who is he who remains? Yep. Potentially, because that, in theory, would be the six, we think, the 616 um, universe that Loki and Mobius are seeing Victor Timely in. Yeah, because he who remains was protecting 616. Right. Absolutely. That was his whole goal. So whatever Kang that they're going to focus on is going to be the one that was tied to that universe. Absolutely. The quantum realm. Is it a safe space where uh, refugees can end up from potentially nowhere? Or maybe some of these refugees who are still languishing after their homes, like the ones that Cassie was trying to save at the beginning? Um, Or is it a catalyst for the Fantastic Four? The story for the Fantastic Four has been, they go into space and get hit by rays, or they go into this dimension and get hit by goo. Maybe they're trying to get into the quantum realm or out of the quantum realm. And that's how they get their powers. Yeah, for sure. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. Oh, we kind of glossed over MODOK entirely. We glossed over MODOK so much. He, uh, and I will say that he's probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Like it, it's just so uncanny Valley and it's done on purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's such a nice turn for Darren Cross's, I'm sorry, MODOK's character. Yes. Um, Especially there was that one point where he gets into the probability fields and he's like, Darren, I'm in. Darren, are you there? Modoc? What? <laughs> it was such I, a fucking good line. And it's funny because Modoc is written like that. He's kind of written like tongue in cheek, megalomaniacal. Which, um, is, I, which is why I was kind of. It was written so well, even though Corey Stoll was playing it absolutely straight. His death scene and getting redeemed at the end and, and becoming an the Avenger. The shot of his little tiny butt. It's so good. Uh, but this MODOK is dead. Doesn't mean there won't be other MODOKs. I, probably it's a multiverse. Be. Exactly. What do we know about the rest of phase five? There's going to be some new Avengers. Yep. Maybe they'll include Moon Knight because of the Ramatut thing. There was also a QR code to a comic. That was a Moon Knight versus Kang comic in one of the episodes. Oh, wow. Okay. There's also that Shang-Chi post credit scene, which is the only grouping of the Avengers we've really seen since Endgame. Yeah. Yep. That we, yeah. Any, any big group of them for sure. And they're talking about, you know, the 10 rings and they're talking about a signal that they're seeing from yep. the 10 rings. So that's an interesting thing to think of. Now, one thing we know from the comics and by comics, we say Avengers Unleashed by Mark Wade, um, 2017. Um, take a look at that cover. If uh, we'll, I'll drop a link. Um, but it's a lot of the heroes we're currently talking about and dealing with in the NCU. But um, Kang uh, fighting the Avengers effectively burns them out of time 
like he alludes to here by finding their origins and stopping them. Very, you know, what if we killed Hitler as a baby, right? Yeah. What's the hook or what's the way around that? Characters whose origins are unknown or shrouded in mystery or unknowable when you think about it. Yep. And we've got a lot of those in Mark Spector's Alters in how different cosmic characters are sort of coming to be and coming into their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a, the idea. Well, and honestly, <laughs> no one remembers who Spider-Man is anymore. Yeah. So Kang can't find out. That's true. Yeah. Assuming that that, that spell cross it. Well, it did cross multiverses. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think it would be like the Deadpool movie is announced with, yeah. with huge Jackman returning. It'd be funny if cable would go back and like, they have a thing where they're going back and killing young Kangs just to get him out of the way. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's why you would use Deadpool. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. I'm going to put some comic book references in the show notes that I'm going to be reading myself. Yeah. Both including the, um, the stories that were adapted for, uh, some of the other stuff, including, um, end game and secret wars. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you hadn't seen it, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This, uh, we really liked it. So we, 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 we loved Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We hope we've adequately prepared you for it. Yes. We highly recommend you see it. We're very excited for what's coming up in the MCU. Like, we, like I said, we're crazy about theory crafting. But again, don't worry. We're not going to do more Marvel for a while. We're going to go back to some of our regularly scheduled content slash format. We're just big Marvel nerds. And yeah. We had Black Panther and then Quantumania. And- it was a lot going on. And honestly, because it's, you know, with us moving and, 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 and trying to get our house together and all these other things going together and work, it's just been one of those things where it's like, this has been our one escape. And so we want to gush about it. Yeah. It's been so much fun. Yeah. That said, we will revisit Marvel briefly <laughs> on the Patreon because we still have not finished it. Humans. We're going to do it. I think we We're, only have like two episodes left. That's all we have left. We just need to bite the fucking bullet and do I it. I know. Ugh. So patreon.com slash making mischief to get all of that. Clancy, where can they find us on social media? Oh, they can find us at nonplusspod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcasting platform of preference. That helps us gain, gain the algorithm and get new listeners. Yeah. Recommend us to your friends. Join along. We're having a great day. Yeah. All right. That over there is my husband Clancy. And over there is my husband Josh. And this has been Nonplussed. Nonplussed. But we're not nonplussed about these. Not at all. Hey, y'all! Oh, God. I mean, just off the bat, we and we'll we'll have a spoiler section coming up, but we will be talking about Quantumania. I, I said all that already. Oh, you did. Sorry. Yeah. I never mind then. Add a marker and we'll cut that shit out. You mean you want to remove the evidence of you not listening to me from the Yes. Okay. Get rid of it. So Josh and I are about to rapid fire this, and this we're gonna do all in one take. Yeah. So just be ready for this greatness that is about to happen. In nineteen eighty nine, Hank Pin resides from resides. You set yourself up for failure every time you do something like that. All right, here we go. Here we go. Scott escapes custody, engages Darren, and eventually overrides the... um, Lang context. What? The the trio escapes to an open and stable version of the... uh, Jesus. Okay, hold on. P.S. Don't forget to check out Tavor on iOS and Android for your 100% independent resource for tasty and tantalizing craft brews. Just search Tavor, that's T-A-V-O-U-R, in your App Store search to get $10 off your first order of $25 or more. Cheers! Bye! Bye.